Greetings to one and all, it's your old buddy Jay here coming at you with some more countermeasures goodness. Um, thanks again for all of the support for the YouTube channel and the more recent Apple podcasts. I can't believe that that's been up and running for two months already, so I do really appreciate the support on that. Um, aside from my usual day-to-day -day running the design business and chasing the kids around the garden, I am also working on uploading some more interesting and fun content um, over the uh, coming months, so please do keep your eyes open for some of that. Um, and if you haven't subscribed already, then please do. The YouTube and Apple podcast uh, are both free and it does really help me grow the channel. Uh, the links are in the descriptor below. Um, so continuing on with the creative lockdown interviews that I've been doing, uh, this week I am interviewing Stuart Sargent who has been a close friend and mentor to me for the last 20 years. Um, he's very kindly offered up some of his time to go through my now legendary 20 questions. Um, he is a creative director and a founder of two design businesses, um, Sargent Design and uh, Packworks, which have been going for quite a few years now. And uh, it was really good to catch up with him on his journey. So um, please take my hand and come with me as we dive once more into my deep, deep design pocket and learn everything you need to know about how to get the job done. Good morning, or good afternoon. Eight, eight minutes past 12, how are you doing? Good afternoon, Jason. Yes, I'm well, thanks. Welcome yeah. welcome to the third podcast that I've ever done. So uh, I hate to say you were third in the queue, I'm afraid. <laughs> Sorry about that. I look forward to viewing the other two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. if you've got a spare five hours, you should probably go and do that. Um, but uh, yeah, so thanks for coming on. Um, I don't know what I didn't do with the other guys is I never sort of I, I did like a little intro before we do the recording. Um, but I wondered if you wanted to just uh, give me a sort of give other listeners a brief um, sort of breakdown a little bit about yourself before we start on our, our questions. So uh, that's just what you're what you're doing now, and you know who you are. And okay, well, my name is uh, Stuart Sargent. I currently have a uh, working for myself as Sargent Design Limited, uh, doing sort of brand identity and various things and websites and all kinds of stuff at the moment. But also, I have a uh, another limited company which is called Packworks. Packworks is a packaging. Uh, company that's been set up um, by me and, and uh, another business partner and um, we're working directly with uh, food manufacturing uh, and that uh, takes up quite a lot of uh, our time and uh, obviously you know going back from experience wise uh, you and I work together have the pleasure yeah <laughs> you're a lucky man <laughs> Back in the year 2000, yeah, that's uh, where I go, yeah. At Sherman, no, sorry, Beresford's. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've been working for myself now for the best part of uh, three years. Yeah, man, that's gone really quick. I can remember when you started. Uh, it doesn't seem that long ago, but three years yeah. has just burned by, hasn't it? So um, yeah, well, thanks, thanks for coming on. Um, Basically, what I've been doing, and I've, I've now spoke to you about it before, but I'll just recap for anyone that's not listened to any of these before, which is probably most people. Um, basically, I'm just getting in contact with various creatives and uh, of all different types, so like photographers and illustrators and 
I've got a cake maker coming up in a few weeks time, which should be quite interesting. But um, the, I'm just interested in uh, where people first start thinking that they want to get into a sort of creative career slash lifestyle. And then just the kind of journey from that kind of inception through to where you are today, really. So I just broke it down into 10 simple questions. And I'm asking everybody the same 10 questions, except the last one, which is given to the next person by the previous um, interviewee. And uh, yeah, that's, that's it. So have you got, have you prepped your question for later? Yeah, I mean, I've, no, well, I had a little thing, <laughs> that, that final question, of course. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, let's, let's fire away. I mean, I do have yeah, a okay. tendency to waffle on, so please. No, that's all good. There's no time limit. And like I said, like no one's listening anyway, mate. So. <laughs> we'll break the record of John Beecher at two hours. I'm not He's two hours and five, I think. Two hours and five. So hours and five. just speak, yeah. speak slowly and stretch it out, you know. <laughs> so um <laughs> so yeah so the first question is um when do you first remember yourself leaning towards being creative mm. so that can you know for, for the other guys it was like a you know from when they were babies and and you know uh, for yeah, nick the photographer yeah. I mean, you and i both have uh, young children as you know they uh, they often like to draw scribble crayons mm. and stuff like that um so no doubt we did the same as kids you know used to draw an awful lot. I had a huge sort of um, ice cream tub uh, full of felted pens. Mm. And I remember um, I used to get rolls and rolls of like kind of wallpaper lining um, my dad used to bring for me and I'd just fill it, fill it with stuff. So I was always drawing. And then um, when I was in that school uh, and uh, I'm going back to 1977, which was the silver tube show of my age. <laughs> Mate, that was the year I was born, just to put that in perspective. I, uh, I, we, we were asked to uh, participate in a drawing competition, and, and I won it for my age group. Um, okay. for kind of, I think it was nationals, but something like that anyway. And it was, you know, different age groups won certain things. And I painted a picture of the, um, the Queen Elizabeth II ship. Mm. And uh, I was seven years old, so then I was given sort of, we went on a drawing course, we were offered a drawing course, and I was given lots of different kinds of beautiful colouring pencils and yeah, as a kit. Um, so that was kind of like my first success. Yeah. Uh, and then I just, you know, at, at school, um, kind of during the sort of GCs, um, all levels. Yeah. I was, you know, my favorite subject was art um it wasn't particularly academic uh, but loved art and um i was always known as you know the drawer of the artist one you know everybody uh knew me as the uh the one who liked to uh do art draw stuff yeah so, that was, you know, so very very early on and then um moving up to when i was around sort of 15 years old at school high school we had a uh, careers advisor come round and sort of yeah see so what they do in life. Yeah, yeah, that's that's always it's it's funny because like we had that as well, and I was thinking I was thinking about it this, just this morning again, and it's such a you just colour in all those little boxes, and then it go oh did you have the ones that went through the computer, and then it just tells you we had we didn't have computers, Jason. <laughs> It was given to an old secretary and she went off and crunched the data for six months. 
it was just in the library at school, from what I can remember. Yeah. And we sat down and I took my uh, big A2 portfolio, you know, it was Dale Art portfolio. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was full of drawings and stuff. And she sat down and said, right, what do you want to do as a career? You know, forget being an astronaut. Uh, what do you want to <laughs> was that the first thing you <laughs> were you dressed as an astronaut <laughs> oh, I said oh, you know, I'm interested in art and art is always you know, my, my passion and, yeah. and of course you know super negative I mean like you're never going to make it as an artist um, you know and uh, the, the people you only make money in art when you die you know right so you know the Van Goghs of this world are mine yeah. My art was obviously nowhere near that standard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she looked through the portfolio and yeah, I mean, it was good. It was good enough. It wasn't, uh, I wouldn't say I was absolutely. But who was she? Was she just like a, just a careers advisor? She was just some careers advisor. Who yeah. just wanted to get me on a YTS scheme to work at the aerospace down the road or Heinz, yeah. which is a big uh, yeah. headquarters in, in, uh, in my area of yeah. Wigan. Yeah, and, um, they do have an agenda, I think, those guys, you know, they, they kind of, not that they want to crush dreams, but I do think they steer you towards those kind of, um, you know, uh, vocations in life, just because they think, yeah, you might have a shot, but you'd be better off as a plumber, you know, so. That's kind of how she was angling it. And I yeah. was going, obviously, you know, she said crushing dreams, and I was, I'd finished going through this portfolio with all my drawings. and Which you're really proud of, obviously. You're there like, yeah, it's the best. Mom. <laughs> did you have your ship in there from when you were seven <laughs> I, I, I don't think i kept that well I, I, my mum probably binned it or my mum was notorious <laughs> throwing just chucking stuff out you know i'd got right. all, all this portfolios and i'd come home from college or whatever and i'd say mum where's that such a thing Port, uh, portfolio she goes oh that's old i threw that out i'm like no <laughs> No, this is my career. It's yeah. the northern. It's the northern way, mate. It's the northern yeah, way. Yeah, just laid it out. Um, but um, <laughs> yeah, so was, she was going through Miss Career's advisor was going through my portfolio, and it was very disappointing. And uh, she said, "Have you got anything else?" And at the back of the portfolio, uh, I had this A3 uh, cartridge pad. Now nobody, apart from my brother and probably my mum knew it that e this even existed mm. and it was in the in me in the pocket of the um art portfolio and i slid it out and what it was was this is going back into the 80s mm. and uh, the kind of football casuals of the time yeah so sports brands were huge at the time and yeah. my brother being a few years older than me he was buying into all these brands like Sergio Tacchini, Lacoste, okay. Fila, LS. Umbro, was Umbro a big one mm. then? Was Umbro around in the 80s? No, not really. Umbro was Quite. just a brand for football at the time. You know, yeah. it wasn't really, it wasn't like a football casual. Okay, where, yeah. Well, it was Italian. So, you know, Italian, French and stuff. So mm. uh, the kids were all, you know, couldn't really afford it or we'd save up to get it. But my brother had a... Uh, uh, weekend job and he saved up and he used to buy this stuff and what he used to do he'd take off the label uh the tag yeah and he'd throw it in the bin and of course i'd go foraging and i'd bring out all these tags so i had like tags of like sergio tacchini or yeah. lacoste or whatever it was yeah and what i used to do secretly privately i'd uh, redraw these logos sort of mm. you know, on an a3 piece of paper yeah uh, i'd use a felt tip so pencil and 
uh, colour them all in felt tips and, that. and I had stacks of this and pages and pages and pages of it. And she's looking, this career advisor's looking at this thing and she just went, you're a graphic designer. And I was right. like, a what? <laughs> yeah. and she said, I'll bring some information in next week for you. Okay. And that was pretty much it. That yeah. was how I became a graphic designer. So I would have been 15, touching 16 yeah. at the time. From then, I went to uh, Wigan College of Technology. And yeah. So how old, were you, how old were you now then? Like 16? Well, I was, I was kind of 16. So I, I didn't do A-level. Yeah. Um, so I went straight into a national diploma. Yeah. And unfortunately, this career advisor, God bless her, um, advised me wrong again. Because what I did was I signed up for a national diploma in graphic design. Mm. So I did two years uh, national diploma in graphic design. Yeah. And then they were like, what do you want to do now? I said, I'm going to go to university and do a degree in graphic design. Yeah. And they said, no, you can't. Right. Well, I know you haven't got a foundation art. Yeah, that's right. Do you know what? They don't, I don't think they do that I anymore. I was told to do foundation art for two yeah. years. Yeah. I would have then gone to do a degree in graphic yeah. design. Because that's, that's exactly what I did. I, I did A-levels and then... Um, I couldn't go to the college, I, the uni I wanted to go to. So I had to do a foundation year first, um, which I think even when I was on that foundation year, I think we were the last year to do the foundation year before it completely got abolished and people could then get in from, you know, whatever background on, on sort of individual assessment. Whereas up until that point, and obviously for you as well, you had to do that year of foundation, which is, you know, but what happened was I'd done this two years of this graphic design course and then found out obviously that I couldn't then apply for degrees because degrees wouldn't accept you without a foundation art course. Yeah. So what I ended up doing is having to do an extra year at Wigan College of Technology as a, uh, a one year's sort of fast track foundation course, mm. which was actually great. I mean, the, the graphic design course was good. Um, it was the very first introduction to very early Macs. Yeah. So we used to battle in that. Uh, at the time, I had influences of, say, um, Neville Brody, mm -hmm. uh, Face Magazine and Arena yeah. uh, and his stuff. So I remember that much uh, from, from that course. And it, it was a pretty good course. Uh, most of the guy ended up sort of in sort of YTS schemes in print shops and things like that. And yeah. Obviously, I want, a few of us wanted to extend our education and go on firm and do degrees. Yeah. So I ended up having to do this foundation art for one year. Uh, but that was good because what foundation art does, and this is uh, good advice for anybody wanting to have a career in graphic design, is it um, gets you to experience all different types of arts, from sculpture, yeah. painting, fine yeah. art, photography, fashion. Um, so you, you kind of play about with all those different mediums. And then uh, from that, you can then focus uh, on your chosen uh, yeah well, well that, that's what I did and I, when I finished my A-levels I started my foundation year um, basically doing illustration and by the time I finished that year I wanted to do graphic design even though I'd been doing bits of design I mainly started thinking well half of this course is illustration and life drawing and everything that's going to be brilliant the other half is like design stuff which I like so we'll see how that goes and then by the by the time 10 months had rolled by um, that's all I just wanted to do graphic design then you know, so it was, it's the same thing. It's a great year where you get to experiment in photography and printmaking and all sorts of stuff like that. Is um, yeah. And I suppose I, 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 
I already had that kind of graphic designer in me from doing most kind of football, um, day football, I mean, I mean, sports brands uh, like Sergio Tequino and Lacoste. So I already had that in me. So I was pretty focused from a very early age on graphic design, but it was great to then play about with printmaking and sculpturing and mm. illustration and all those things to, uh, to, uh, to find out, you know, more, I suppose, in terms yeah. of art background. So then I saw, I'd then done three years. So I'd done two years national diploma in graphic design, one year foundation art. Um, and then I decided not to pursue a degree because yeah. that was three years. Yeah, so sure. I would do an extra year. So rather than just doing two years foundation, three years degree, which is five years in total, I ended up doing two years graphic design, one year foundation, yeah. and then another three years. Yeah, I didn't want to do a third year, so yeah. I ended up applying for a higher national diploma in graphic design at yeah. Newcastle College of Art. Yeah. Uh, which I, I think it still exists as Northumbria. Can't, can't exactly remember. Yeah. Well, that's, that's where John went, right. Newcastle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it wasn't the degree course. So I think John Beecher mentioned it. I think he went there. Uh, yeah. He did the degree course. So he went a bit of me, what was then the Polytechnic, uh, whereas I was at the Art College, uh, which was a brilliant time. It was, it was great fun. Met some mm -hmm. great people. Some of them, my, as you know, some of my best friends now are guys. Yeah. I'm, on my course the course itself i'd say was pretty gash it, was, <laughs> it wasn't the best uh, best actual uh, course the guys were the, the lecturers were very old school i mean i say not the best i mean we got to learn some techniques some graphic design techniques like mm. you guys growing up in an age where max were yeah um, just all over the place yeah to learn up uh, all of the uh, traditional graphic design techniques yep. before that. Yeah. We did have some Macs. We had a, a room which was like a computer room. Yeah. And you, you couldn't get in there for love and money. Yeah. Uh, well, that, that was, well, even on our course, you know, all the years after you went to school, <laughs> you know, um, we, half of our course was still kind of paced up, but the other half was like we had a really good computer suite. Of course, nobody knew how to use anything, but you got to play around with Photoshop and, and those sorts of things. So it was, um, even though it had moved along quite a lot, even at that stage, um, it wasn't kind of dominating the whole course. Whereas now I reckon, you know, doing a, a graphic design course, you're on your Mac day one, you know, cause it's just where it is, isn't it? So, um, sorry, yeah, so. Um, so the course yeah, so was you were, you best. Yeah. Uh, but surprisingly, or maybe not surprising, I don't know, but so the guys, sort of myself, um, you know, Dave, you know, Phil, uh, Blam uh, and, and and various others um, have actually had very good careers yeah. um, from, from graphics. So, you know, as much as I say it was not a particularly great course, there's some very, very good people uh, come out of it. Yeah. I've forged a career out of it, you know. Yeah. Um, a good, steady career out of it, and uh, and I've enjoyed it. Yeah, because what you've been you so you've been like thirty years, are you now, in the industry, more or less? Ninety-two, I think it was. Yeah, so, so nearly. And then, um, I did a f my college placement. I've done a couple of college placements when I was um, at doing my national diploma um, in Wigan. So I did yeah. a, a placement in Liverpool at an advertising agency. Um, and when I was on the course of my high national diploma at Newcastle, uh, we then sort of 
applied for various um, design agencies uh, to, to do a work placement for. Mm. Uh, and at the time, there was a lot of, um, I don't know, it's, it's, it seems to have changed now where design companies don't really have the kudos that they used to have. Maybe they still do, I don't know. But yeah. at the time, you know, there was companies like Pentagram, yeah. Small Back Room, Smith & Milton. Yeah. Manali Tattisfield, you know. Yeah, great. okay. Design. Yeah. And uh, so I applied for some of those and I ended up getting Beresford Sherman, as you Yeah, know. okay. <laughs> so I did a, uh, I came down to London. Uh, yeah. Oh, I didn't realise you did your placement there. That's funny. Yeah, uh, okay. yeah. We were based in Vauxhall. It was a, it was a big company at the time. Mm. I think we had about 80 people or so. So it was a decent size at that time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so so before just before we get to that bit, so you always thought you were going to come down to London, then there wasn't any question of like. Oh, sorry, yeah, I've skipped. Yeah, being, no, uh, sorry. I, I my just, girlfriend at the time, Melanie, she was based in uh, London doing uh, the London College of Fashion, so she was already in London. I knew London because I'd been down to visit her a few times. So yeah. you know, I just had headstrong focus. But yeah. as soon as I finished at Newcastle, you were going to come to the big city. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I could have looked at some places that are maybe closer to home around because around the Wigan area, you've got Liverpool, you've got Manchester, uh, but um, the, the richer pickings were in London. Yeah, in and it's more exciting as well because you know if you make it in London, then it's a big, big deal. But if you make it in your local print shop in Wigan, not saying there's anything against that, but uh, it doesn't feel like you've pushed yourself as far as you could, maybe, you know. Well, you know, there, was, there were some, some good agencies up there, but as I said, the pool was quite small. So, you know, for me, I just had focus on coming to London, really. Mm. So, as soon as, I mean, I literally walked out of, uh, well, actually, it was Bruce Beresford, uh, your yeah. mentor. Yeah. Who's <laughs> on, uh, one of many. On my college <laughs> placements, we yeah, obviously I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> taught me everything you know <laughs> <laughs> so um bruce said to me when i finished the uh the placement uh, and went back to our college in newcastle he said to me when you finish your course come down to london come and see us bringing you bringing your book as he called it yeah. bringing your book. and that's exactly what i did and um i came you know probably left college on the friday came to uh, Beresford Sherman in London on the Monday mm. and showed him my portfolio. And at the time, this was 92, we were just about hitting uh, a massive recession. Uh, and Beresford Sherman uh, was going through some kind of uh, big financial crisis. Mm. He said to me, uh, he said, look, we can't really offer you uh, much here. I did, to be honest, I did uh, some, some work for them for a couple of weeks. And then he said, we can't really offer you, we're not in a position to offer you a job. He said, but um, there's a company upstairs who's using some of our office space uh, that might uh, be yeah. able to offer you something. Um, so uh, I went upstairs and met this guy called Mike, uh, who was running a design agency called The Forum. And they were very much packaging based. They mm -hmm. did a lot more Walker's Crisps and Cavernous yeah. and so on. And I walked upstairs and I said, look, I'm here, I'm cheap, and I'm willing. And uh, <laughs> That's actually been your life motto. <laughs> uh, and that was it. And I set yeah. off and got a job. That's and great. Uh, that was me set, you know, set to go, really. And, and, in, and it wasn't long after that that Beresford's kind of, as it was then, Beresford's chairman went, went under, didn't it? it sort of yeah, it was, it, was very, it 
very much around, obviously it was already happening because Bruce had sort of indicated to me that they weren't in a position to offer me, offer me anything. Yeah. And, um, and then what happened was I was in this office space within Beresford Sherman working for this company called The Forum. And uh, these guys walked in one day and uh, anyway, they were doing a takeover. So they were buying the company basically. Right. Yeah. This company was called Grey Matter. Yeah. And they came in and they, they, we, and we packed all our stuff up and we moved out to Old Street. So they, they just bought you as a job lot and took you, took you off? They, they were a product design agency and they yeah. wanted a branding arm to it. And we, uh, the forum, had been working with them on um, some uh, uh, wines and spirits packaging. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so they decided that they needed a branding arm to it. So they sort of poached us. There was only a few of us. There was, I think, it was. Mm all people within the forum is tiny company yeah anyway so we all packed up our stuff from Vauxhall and moved up to Old Street uh, and very much not long after that Barry's for Sherman completely went under so the whole yeah. building cleared out and, uh, and that was that um, so I ended up uh, then working for the, the forum at Grey Matter yeah which then just became Grey Matter uh, and I was there for seven years and yeah I was, right probably the best seven years of my career really yeah okay that's weird isn't it i wonder if that still happens now you know like bigger companies suddenly need an extra arm or another part to them you know does that even happen now i mean you know do they buy other companies out like that probably not so much these days the big uh the big agencies now they all kind of remember an mw is it wp group or something yeah um uh, they they buy out agents anyway. We were just a small a small outfit taken yeah. over, and then into their men. Um, so I was working at this essentially what was a product design company, um, yeah. but uh, but doing the branding side to it, and it was it was great. Um, I got on really well with the uh, the guys who owned Grey Matter, uh, Kevin Thompson, who's the managing director, mm. and uh, Sean O'Flynn, who's a creative director. Um, both sadly uh, died uh, a few years back. Um, yeah, way too young. Um, I think Sean was forty. Oh and, gosh, that's no, that's uh, no age, was, is it? Yeah, and he was he was such such a, a, a fantastic artist designer. He was a product designer essentially. Yeah, uh, but um, he he was a, he was a real real inspiration, real mentor yeah. uh, to me. And it was seven years, it was just fantastic. It was great fun. It was quite hedonistic. They had loads of money. Uh, we had a pool of company cars. The glory fun. days. Yeah, okay. It was fantastic. We had a great social life. We worked hard. We played hard uh, for, for seven years. And then when Sean became ill, uh, he had cancer, uh, just as he around the age of 40, um, the company was making, taking a bad turn, mainly because of that. Yeah. Uh, um, and we got taken over again, so there's a bit of a pattern here. Um, we got a, a merger, I should say, uh, with a company called Williams and Poir, hmm. um, which is where I met uh, Joe Fox. Um, oh, okay, okay. Oh, I didn't realise you worked with him. I thought you just knew. Yeah, him yeah. So, so basically, okay. Williams and Poir, who were essentially a annual report uh, design company, yeah. came in, sort of took over. Um, Grey so did matter. they did they buy Grey Matter then? Was that they they? Yeah, it was a sort of a, sort of a buyout. I think it originally it was a merger slash slash buyout. Uh, yeah. But at that time, Sean um, was deteriorating quite quickly. Right. 
Kevin, uh, the MD, Kevin, who's a good friend of mine, and he he sort of when when Sean passed, he he kind of lost a bit of focus and love for grey matter and sure, you know, yeah. But yeah. of course, with his merger as well. So then I was then part of the Williams and Poit team, uh, working with uh, a lot of the guys who do annual reports. Um, I was still very much into branding, brand packaging. Yeah. Of still working on uh, uh, drinks, wines and spirits, food packaging, F, uh, MPD, FMCG, and, uh, and doing a lot of that. And I, I kind of lasted about another two, just over two years, I think, at Williams and Poit. And then I... Uh, I started to um, apply for jobs uh, in other areas, looking looking for something that was more. In so just your that. time had just run out there. You just decided you, it was time to move it on. The, the, the focus of the business um, wasn't um, structured for MPD and FMC, yeah. mainly yeah. for um, <clears throat> I'd say some corporate branding, but a lot of it was print based. Hmm. Uh, a, a different breed of designer to me. You know, they're all yeah. using. Express. They used to do like hundred-page annual reports, very much detailed. I mean, it was um, yeah. The boss, Mr. Poit, uh, had a very <laughs> hard work ethic. He used to push them. Everybody was doing sixty-hour weeks, seventy-hour weeks. He wouldn't survive today. Like that, that crunch, um, that that sort of crunch mentality is. Get anything you know. away from it because those two years. I mean, although they were hard work. The learning curve was was massive. Actually. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, and, I, and I met some great people there as well. So, um, so yeah, from then I applied for a job. No, I think I went through a um, an agent actually, and they said to me, um, Beresford's, mm. um, which was obviously formerly Beresford Sherman, uh, were looking, and I thought, mm, do I really want to go back to somewhere I had a little bit of time in? You know, but, uh, anyway, I, I went through the interview, and of course it was Bruce Beresford again. Yeah, and. Uh, and then I went for a second interview and met um, Laura Haynes, yeah. uh, who was um, running the company as chairman. Mm-hmm. And um, they offered me a job as head of brand. Um, yeah. It's a great opportunity. Right in the um, middle of Oxford Circus. Right in the middle of Oxford Circus, Argyle Street, as you know. Great Brand's office. Yeah. A fantastic location. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Great times. Uh, and again, met some uh, great people there. You know, <laughs> It's funny that, you know, you're, (laughs) so you did your placement there and then you got a job there. Like, you know, like you said, you finished college on the Friday and started on the Monday. It was about eight years later. So I'd done my placement and worked at Grey Matter. And then went back. But but I did the same. I did a placement at Beresford's and then Laura actually said to me, as I was leaving for my placement, come back and see us um, when you finish college. And then I literally... I think we had like a thing in London. We were at the New Designers exhibition, like one uh, on a sort of Monday. And mm. I took my book in and showed Bruce. And then, um, yeah, I basically got a phone call saying, when can you start? And I said, Monday. And they were like, great, see you Monday morning. So I went back to Birmingham, packed my bags. I went home and washed my stuff. Sunday, I was in a hostel in King's Cross. And Monday morning, I started at, at Beresford's. And then I think a week later, you started. I think, was, it was, I think it was almost two two weeks later. Was it two weeks later? I know it was it was soon and, after uh, I started. You and Ollie, I think, had started there two weeks before me. <laughs> it always makes me laugh. I can remember the first time I saw you. You just walked past my desk 
And uh, I remember, you, you know, you said to me that you thought I'd been there for a while or, or whatever. And I didn't give any illusion that I'd just started. <laughs> I gave you this idea that I've been there for years. For just a, I thought I'll let that sort of sit there for a bit and see what happens. It, it was yeah, funny. I remember. I remember. And I'd come in as head of brand. I was like, yeah. you know, I've got eight years experience and, you know, yeah. coming into this. I've been there for years, years. And you, 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 <laughs> you were some senior designer or something. Yeah. You were fresh out of college. I was going to say, look under the table, and I'm wearing, uh, you know, con ripped Converse, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was uh, that was but funny. I think then, you know, we were working on uh, a lot of food packaging, a lot of branding. Yeah. Uh, I mean, real mix, really, actually, from corporate identity to um, FMCG packaging. Working Cadbury's again. I yeah, Cadbury's. yeah, we did some Cadbury's yeah. jobs together. I remember. Yeah. yeah, Time Out, we did for a bit. I think we did. We did. Yeah, we did some late nights. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, so that, that was brilliant. Um, but quite early on in my, in my career move, um, I realized that head of brand probably wasn't quite suited for me, given maybe some of my experience, but also some of my kind of desires for, as, as a graphic designer. I didn't yeah. really, I've never been like aspired to be a creative director. Mm. So to be head of a brand department, Kind of felt like it was more of a managerial role than it was a uh, creative role. Yeah. So um, you you know the story, but I sort of suggested to Laura that was some guy I used to work with at Grey Matter. Yeah. Uh, Jason, Jason Butler, yeah. and uh, and they uh, brought him in as a, and he was my senior uh, at uh, Grey Matter. Yeah. A few years and uh, that's that's quite a brave thing to do. It's like to sort of say, look, I want to kind of side. It was career suicide. <laughs> well, you know, you know, I want to sidestep this role and do something uh, else. I stepped down as head of brand and became a senior graphic designer. Yeah. That's, that was, well, it was career suicide. I mean, yes, maybe I should have just had the, uh, the nuts to actually uh, continue as yeah, but you would have been you would have been unhappy though. You know, it's it's like like um, John, John Beecher yes. and his business. You know, he he really liked yeah. running the business and having all the people and stuff. But after a while, um, he was running it in a way that meant they were just making. You know, he was managing everything, just making money to pay the staff to do more design work, and it becomes this kind of machine that he wasn't necessarily yeah. doing the kind of creative things that he wanted to be yeah. doing, or certainly not as much. Um, so in kind of circumventing that, you're actually allowing yourself to be much more creative and free and not have to deal with all that politics, even though despite the fact that you did step aside and JB kind of filled that role, you still, you were kind of still doing that job, <laughs> you know, in a way you were, but without the kind without having to deal with uh, the kind of hard politics side of it, you know. Well, yeah, to some extent, I was classed as a senior designer, so I was obviously overseeing um, other designers and freelancers and so forth. Um, but in, as a career move, maybe maybe I should have said. But as I said, I had no great, and I still have no great desire to be a creative director. Um, it's just well, I've got some news for you. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what you've been doing for the last three years? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but I am the designer as well. I might be wrong. Yeah, of course. Yeah, director, yeah. Director, the founder, the chairman, yeah. the, the graphic chairman designer. of the board. Yeah. Very much kind of like to keep keep my hands in. Really, uh, I've got yeah. friends of mine like Phil, uh, Phil Sims at Neighbour. You know, he's been a creative director for for a number of years now. Uh, and some people can do very well from it. It just mm. wasn't really for me, I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, uh, I've got 
few complaints really in terms of that in, in terms of that move. but as you know then um, Beresford's became Appetite we renamed Beresford's yeah. into Appetite and yeah. uh, I spent the majority of my career there obviously you moved on after a number of years I, can't remember so I was there for like four and a half years I think not quite five um, yeah. but I was there for about four and a half and it was a really good time you know I think um, it's a great great job a great first job to learn all about London and uh, yeah, you know, we had a lot of fun yeah we did we still have a lot of fun Stu but like no, we, we, had a lot, we had a lot of fun yeah, um, very good. I mean I had sort of quite hedonistic times at uh, Grey Matter and I kind of transferred maybe it's maybe it's me I think it was probably you I think Dave I think I'd, I'd only met you you'd walk past my you'd walk past my desk and then two hours later we were in the pub so <laughs> I think that's yeah. I mean, that I remember taking you down to the Cronin to Sherman mm. On uh, Dean Street and introducing right. Dave and Blam. That's right, yeah, yeah, it was that first day, yeah. yeah. You know, these guys have all had great careers in graphic design. Hmm. Yeah, so. no, it was good times. And, you know, and what was great about being in Oxford Circus is that you come out of the door when you finish work at whatever time and you're in the middle of everything. Yeah. So, like, you know, you, yes, you could, you could go, yeah, yeah you, you could go home and cook some pasta and have an early night. Or you could go to that really awesome bar just over there, <laughs> just you know, and then you know. Quite a few bars, and we had a few favourites as well. I always yeah, remember Bruce saying to you one time about, "Oh, um, why don't you go go and rest up for a weekend and sober up or something?" I can't remember. <laughs> that, that was night. probably after a heavy. Sober, go and sober up over the weekend, as opposed to sober up during the week. <laughs> well, it was probably <laughs> because more... we were out every night. Yeah. Monday, it could have been a Tuesday. <laughs> you know but it was good it was good fun but i also think that that was like part and parcel of that whole um sort of team bonding experience because when you're in a, a company of like 80 or 90 or people you you probably find your sort of select few friends but you don't know everyone whereas when you're in a company of like sort of 10 to 20 like we were you know you become really close friends with everyone you know and the fact that you all socialize together you all know each other's business you're looking out for each other you know, it's a really, it's a real sort of family environment. And also when someone leaves, it's devastating because you're like, it changes the, the, the kind of, uh, the structure of how everything works and, you know, um, but, uh, but it is, it is good. Especially like, like for me coming down, it was like my sort of extended family just appeared, you know, you had like Laura, the mom and Bruce, the sort of grandfather, <laughs> you know, so like, it was really, really, uh, it was a great experience, you know, and obviously, you know, everyone needs a naughty yeah. uncle, so <laughs> slot you in there, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was good times, and I, and I stuck around, as you know, um, for 18 years. That's unbelievable, I can't believe it was 18 years, Were you, so it was 18 in f- well, four. I joined in 99. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, then you know, I finished what three years ago, just over yeah. three years. Yeah, and, uh, fortunately closed for good. Yeah, but it obviously suited you how it worked, and you know, and like you said, even though you weren't necessarily doing all the kind of the sort of high end politics stuff, to, you know, it, it probably was, um, it, it fitted with what you, you got the opportunity to be creative and it was a good career. You had a team, it good, yeah, it, it was a good career. Um, I do regret to some extent, um, some of the choices and some of the choices from the leadership within appetite in terms of i was never invited 18 years you know i was never invited to be part of the board yeah uh, they 
uh, which you were from like you were but even even though you weren't invited in in you know uh, you were part of that management team whether it was on paper or not you to know to some extent I, I i was i was i was in uh, what, what we call them titles really but uh, design director i was design director for many years and uh, they brought in numerous design directors uh, mm. to come on be part of the team so it was two design directors and uh, they moved on and I stayed there you know I was yeah. very very loyal to that company I loved that company and yeah. you know then they made me redundant three years ago and gave me the most basic of redundancy packages so yeah, uh, sure. not that I'm bitter Jason <laughs> well the problem I hate all that stuff because counts for nothing I miss I mean yeah it's it's disappointing I mean that said, I mean, Appetite closed the business for good. Everybody, everybody was made sure, up. sure. Uh, but just the way it was. Kind of Actually, they they weren't. They're all. It's still going. They just haven't told you. <laughs> That's how they got you out. They're like, don't tell him for God's sake. I'm going to get rid of him. He's been here eighteen years. <laughs> yeah. I want my desk back. Come on, let's. So, uh, so yeah, I, I, yeah, I miss it. I miss I miss that kind of. Um, I'm yeah, working of course. For as you know, working for yourself can be quite a lonely, lonely life. So yeah. I do miss that, that camaraderie we had, that family. The appetite was a family. Yeah, sure, uh, sure. As was grey matter before that uh, yeah. for me. Um, so I've had... Uh, you do need that as well, though, because like, even though I, I've always sort of preferred to work by myself, there are projects that I work on that I, I wish there was like another team or another design company working on it at the same time so that we could... So there's a bit of competition, you know, because that's the one thing that I do miss. I do stuff now and I'm like, I've made my decisions. This is it. Here's the thing. That's it. It goes off. It's great. Everyone's happy. Blah, blah, blah. But then I think, you know, how it could, it's good, but maybe it could have been amazing if someone had done something just a bit better. And I would, I'd be like, no, 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 no. I've got to, I've got to do something here, you know. So just to up your game a bit. And I think that's I'm something. You, I'm glad you touched on that because remember yeah. how competitive I made you. At, yeah, well, uh, we were. We were. And I, I like when you left and then. Other designers came in. I just love the, the drive. I mean, uh, I don't know. I'm just very passionate about design, and I yeah. love it when we get a new brief comes in and oh, the yeah. brief out to three, three or four designers, and it's like, right, here you go. This is, you know, he's yeah. doing his ideas. I'm, you know, you're off yeah. there. It's, it's a thrill. It's a thrill. Also, I, if I used to get such a buzz out of it, and I yeah. do. Years. I mean, I was a decades, and I was still going for it. And every yeah. brief was a win, and it was like, you know. And I, you know, I can't remember what I used to say to you, but we, we would literally be like, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Watch but out. that was it. If you got, but also if you got, uh, you know, everyone's going for it, and if yours comes up, and that's the one the client, you know, regardless of what everyone in the office thinks, it's a boss. you know, yeah. as soon as you know, because you know that like someone in the office might like something that you did. Someone might like something that someone else did. Someone might like something that I did, but maybe the weights on, uh, you know, another, another sort of route, but we present all the routes and then it comes back from the client and they go with something totally different and it's a win. Suddenly you're like, ah, I knew that, you know, I felt, I felt that, you know, you get that buzz when you're like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm one up here. And then it starts again in an hour, you know, so like that. that really was outside of the, um, the business at the moment because working yeah. for myself, you know, my designs always get through because it's only me working on it. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I miss that kind of uh, rivalry, competitiveness, uh, working for the designers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, it does push you to do 
you know, to, uh, not to say that your work would be better necessarily, but it does make you, it does make you hungrier to, to do something really, really good. You know, when you, when you've got that sort of competition. Yeah. Um, and it's also nothing better than someone doing something and it absolutely tanking when you're doing the crit, <laughs> you know, and everyone's like, what is that? You know, <laughs> there's nothing better than that. Well, and that used to be, I mean, I just remember working with some designers and getting a brief and, you know, I had some experience as a design director and I'd put in so much effort into the creative first stage and would stick it all on the walls in the boardroom yeah. and the, the team would come in, you know, you'd have, uh, Laura and JB, the creative director, and you'd have all these you know, people come in and then stand there looking at the walls and all mm. looking. <laughs> and I had all this stuff up, pages and pages of ideas. And, and like one of the designers had just stuck up a couple of A4s with like a bit of a drawing on it. And a bit of, yeah. And, thinking, you know, and you know, for me, I was like, I, I'm going to win this. You know? <laughs> I'm going to win it by volume, if not quality. <laughs> just expressing the idea more yeah like, you know, yeah i mean i just never got it sometimes with designers who just didn't really you know be going to go oh, don't like that brief you know, you're not in a position to choose no no, no. it's you not know, it's not personal it's your job <laughs> you know, regardless you know it doesn't have to be the coolest brand in the world but mm. you know somebody's paying good money for this yeah. but that somebody's but that that was always what interested me and still yeah yeah exactly yeah but i mean that's what that's what interested me is like the you know um you're right is that you might look at a brief and think that's not really me or you might look at another brief and think oh that's more me but you still approach it in the same way and i always approach it in the like here's your box that i'm putting you in you know here's the thing that we need sort of push against it or just try and do something different here's a time you know what i always like is when someone says you've got two hours to do something and then you're just like straight in you know i've got two hours what's the best thing i can do in two hours and you do it and after two hours you're like is it amazing no but it's the best thing i could do in two hours and i'm pleased with it you know and i love those quick quick briefs you know you come in you got got delivery it's a thrill yeah it's a thrill but you're right it's like when you're so when you when you feel like that and then you're suddenly faced with someone who's just like uh, I've just done this, or here's a sort of min- the minimal effort. Yeah, it's I like it. I just demoralizing. You just feel like, really? You know, maybe. Oh, come on. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I've worked with a few of those designers over the years. I mean, some of them are very good designers, but yeah. you know, you've got to apply. And um, I've never been overly precious about um, my design. Uh, you know, you can, there's some designers have a certain style, for example, and stick to yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, other designers design for designers. Yeah, um, sure, sure. Over years. Yeah, but they're, they're the ones that do well in. Post it on some design blog, and they want it to be, you know, yeah. praised and liked by uh, their peers. Yeah, uh, but the, but they're the ones that do well in the critiques. But then when the client sees it, it doesn't always. I fit. work for the clients. I always work for the brief. You know, what is yeah. the brief? What's what's the customer? What's mm. the customer need? What's the client's needs? Yes. Who's that? So. You know, I never had sort of any kind of like um, arrogance in terms of my design. It was no. it was for the client. This is this is what you wanted. Yeah, it but that, that's a, I think that's an essential skill. You know, that's an I think that's an essential skill as a designer is that you 
um, you know, you have to understand that you're becoming like part, an extension of that business that you're working for. You have to understand how it works. You have to start, understand where it sits, where they want to go, what they're trying to achieve. Whereas if you, anyone can just sit down in a room and do a logo and like, here's the most amazing graphic piece of graphic design logo that everyone goes, oh, that's brilliant. But the client's like, that doesn't fit the brief, you know? So part of that understanding the brief is understanding the client before you even put your pen on the paper you know you have that understanding is a skill that i don't think everybody i don't think they they can necessarily teach that in school you know no, so it's, no. it comes from experience you know yeah a lot of it's just intuitiveness as well now it's sort of true yeah experience as well you kind of go oh, i've got this you know, you're here somebody's chatting about oh i've got I, i've got uh, an idea for a company i want to set up and they start to tell me about it, and within minutes, I'm designing it in my head. Yeah, sure, it's sure. It's experience, but it's like, right, okay, I've got it. I know, I know what it should look like. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, and I still get a great buzz out of doing things. Yeah, I think that's why you know when you have work placements, it it always feels a, there's there's different types of work placements. There's the ones that come in and can't be bothered, and there's the ones that come in that are good, but they're not very confident, you know, because they haven't had enough experience, or maybe they see all these great designers and they're suddenly like intimidated by these people who are doing it you know because i know when we were at, at um Beresford's appetite i know at, towards the end of the time i was there i would always end up being the guy that, <laughs> that looked after the placements because obviously as a kind of lowly junior slash middleweight whatever like asleep at the desk she was on a two-week placement she actually had her arms on the desk and was asleep <laughs> It's just, it's not good, is it? Because those opportunities, there's so many people that want those jobs. There's so many people that want to get into it. And then someone comes along and does something like that. And it's just all the people that could have had that place, yeah. that could have had that opportunity, you know, they just suffer for it. And yeah. Well, going back to my early, early career when you, you, you know, I started as a Beres for Chairman. Yeah. London. I was literally for a couple of weeks and then moved to Fulham upstairs. But I was just like running around. I was like, you know, we used to go and do um, typesetting, you know, this yeah. before uh, computers. So we do typesetting. I'd be running up and down to the typesetters and backs with the artworkers and, you know, in the, in the dark room on the, um, I can't remember what we used to call it now, the uh, bro making bromides and things like that. And I used to love all that and, mm. and speak to the older guys. So this was just on my experience, work experience or when I first started. I was just, you know, just I, I was just running for everything. It was just great. Yeah. I would absorb and learn. Yeah. And I think one of your questions later on is about um, what advice can you offer? I think the advice is, you know, be passionate about what you're doing. You know, if you're not passionate about it, don't do it. Yeah, it's probably not for you, um, is it? If, you, you if know, it doesn't I've, click, I've yeah. Been, I've been a graphic designer since the careers advisor at the age of 15. Yeah. So, you know, and I'm still passionate about it now after 30 years. Yeah, uh, I still enjoy it. And um, if you're not, then, you know, try something else. Yeah, sure. Uh, because, you know, as I said, these work experience people, junior designers come in and you kind of go, well, ooh, you know, you're not really. Yeah. You you not really I mean, yeah. I still, I've been learning Adobe Dimensions this morning in, three, uh, in some 3D. Yeah, I yeah. Learning Adobe Premiere last week, just yeah. trying new things out, you know. Practice, yeah, practice. yeah. But, but I think that's what you've got to do. You've got to, um, because like, you didn't start off wanting to be a graphic designer, you know, being a graphic designer when you were like 15, thinking, oh, one day I'm going to do, 
Adobe Premiere. You know, that never even occurred to you because that's just a tool to get you to where you want to go. You, the idea is that like you're passionate about it and you like being creative and you have ideas about things. That's the first thing anyone should have before they go for a placement or start a job is like feel that way. And the rest just comes because you, you use it enough, you apply these things enough, then eventually it all fits together. I mean, I'm the same. I've been with doing all this stuff. I've been learning about recording sound, studio lighting, all this stuff that just isn't, you know, uh, that I would, that takes me out of my comfort zone. Um, and like premiere, cutting video together, all that stuff. It's just a great way to just, you know, to keep learning sure that stuff. These you know. days in terms of, you know, once you've got, you've got the Adobe Suite, you can mm. all these different applications. And yeah. You can find out how to do it just by uh, going on to YouTube. So it's great. Yeah, exactly. And also, I think with what we do, you kind of don't really need to know it until it's in your face and you're suddenly like, oh, I need to build some 3D packaging on screen. I could draw it all up in Illustrator or I could put it together in a different way or, you know, so, you know, until it becomes an issue, you overcome that by going to that technology rather than just sitting down with the manual on day one and being like, right, I'm going to learn how to uh, teach myself. You used to get those thick books, didn't you? Remember Mm. like Adobe InDesign when it first I get them for like Christmas presents and stuff. (laughs) The manual for Quark Express and you'd be looking to how to yeah it's so easy so accessible you know you just need a decent uh mac um adobe creative suite and a little Um, bit of time to make some mistakes yeah yeah and and um, you know there's so much design influence now available you know where i remember um for a long time in my career i was cutting out magazines and we used to get like getty images stock image books and yeah illustration books and you know you cut them out and make mood boards and all of that yeah those days are gone yeah i think pinterest pinterest put pay to any mood board i think now you just chuck everything on there and yeah pinterest is uh, it's fantastic but can you imagine if you had that like 20 years ago (laughs) you know it would it just it blows my mind the stuff that's on there um snorted a lot less spray mate that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't a good day unless you were like stuck to everything (laughs) i'm off now (laughs) yeah yeah exactly Got yeah. a pencil stuck to your face. Yeah, I'm sure health and safety would, would have got something to say about that now. But that stuff, I think that stuff goes in your lungs and never comes out. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's some, you know, <laughs> on, on me from uh, the amount of spray amounts. Yeah, yeah. I, although I do miss the, uh, you know, the, the days of, even like when I started at, at Beresford's, um, we were still printing out stuff mounting it on foam board packaging it up you know the courier would be there at like five o'clock at night you'd be stood at the door waiting and you stare you know, is it ready and everyone's everyone's stressing trying to get everything in the you know it was always hours and hours and hours of waiting for this printer or when you were yeah. mounting it onto a piece of foam cord and you'd spray yeah. mount it using the roller and then you get oh, a crease God, and then you yeah it used to, and it was stressful but when it went out the door when you knew it was oh. done and the, the courier got it and it was off it was out yeah. of your hands then that's that feeling of relief there is nothing like the building pressure and then suddenly it's like it's gone you don't have to do any more on this for a bit and then you're like oh thank god for that it's like yeah it's it was good good times but you know but again that sort of culture of um you know i mentioned it before like crunch mentality i think uh i do think that that's sort of gone by the wayside a little bit more i I like to think now people who um employ their uh 
um, you know, their, their um, designers and that, they, they don't push them as, you know, as much as they, they, they maybe would have done in the past. I mean, I know you and I did like two, three o'clockers quite regularly. You know, it's just, that, and actually, you wouldn't have done it really unless you wanted to, but it still well, needed to get done. Sixty you know? weeks easily, you know, and, and as I said, I worked at like Williams and Quaff for a while. I'd do yeah. more of a mat, you know. Yeah, sure. Nights, um, you know, but um, you know, we worked hard and we mm. played hard. And yeah, enjoyed it. We enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, sure. But we I guess you can't keep it up for financially, but the rewards creatively were, were, were very good. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, and I guess when you're that age, you're, you're young enough and it doesn't matter, but like, you know, when you're mid-40s to 50s, <laughs> you don't want to be doing three o'clockers every single night. It's just not, no, I mean, it's not I've feasible. I've been myself for three years now, and yeah. I, I haven't worked past 7 p.m. I was going to say, like, on occasion where I work till, like, midnight or something like that, the next day, no. I'm done. I'm done. I'm like... I just, and I, to be honest, I had this uh, attitude when I was at uh, Appetite, mm. where when I knew it was going to be a big job and a big, and it was heading for a late, late night, yeah. it was a big presentation the following day. I'd go in there with pure focus and drive, and I'd yeah. be like, fast, fast, fast. Yeah. Knew what I was doing, knew what I wanted to achieve that, for that day to get it out. Yeah. I don't remember when I was working, you, you, you probably wouldn't remember this, but like Jason, Jason Butler, the creative director. He'd have a different mentality. He was like, he knew he was going to be working late. Yeah. And he, had, he, had, he lived way out of London. Yeah. Uh, he used to cycle half away. And then he, he kind of knew that he was probably going to be sleeping on the sofa. In sure, the sure. He had a very different attitude to it, where he would just carry on the day quite slow. and Quite zen. He used to drive me mad. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the right mentality to have. But he'd be working till three or four in the morning on yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Because he just had that kind of mindset, whereas I, my mindset was like, get it done, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, so where did we get to in terms of our questions? Because we skipped a few ahead. Well, so, a, a, so we did London. Um, yeah, we did the kind of important thing you learned from your. Yeah, we sort of did that bit. Um, so challenges you faced, you know, during your journey. I guess um, we're sort of on question six, I think, which is let's talk about a piece of work you have done that didn't go well and something you might like to go back to, revise, or just never think about again. I'm not massively prone or precious or whatever about sort of the work I've done. Well, it, doesn't have to, it doesn't necessarily have to be what it looks like, but just one that didn't go well or one that you think there's a a classic story uh we were working on a uh, brand identity for a big um um, uh, building uh company they they build and rent out office spaces yeah Uh, they were called slow estates international at the time They came in for, and they're based um, essentially over in Slough, but then they've got places in Warsaw, in Poland, got, they're all over in Spain. Uh, they were a big, big, big company. So a lot of these big um, kind of car um, sales buildings and big offices and stuff. Anyway, so it's just, it, was a, it was a big design brief for us, for Appetite, and we were working on that. We come up with some, we had to do a naming exercise as well because they were called Slough Estates. But they were bigger than just being in slow, so we wanted to rebrand, rename, which is something that Appetite offered. 
So we did naming uh, and uh, identity design. And one of the things uh, they did, uh, we did, I should say, is we renamed them, we sort of shortened the name. So instead of calling them Slow Estates International, we decided to call them Seagrow. And I'm just gonna write it down on a piece of paper for you. All right. For all you listeners out there, Stu is writing down. <laughs> so, if you can okay. see that. Yeah, 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 I got it. So that's what Slow Estates International Group. Okay, yeah, okay. So we did this identity. Worked on it, it was my identity, my chosen logo, so it's all brilliant, I was chuffed to bits. Yeah. Big project, loads of boards, loads of like, applications to van livery and signage and all yeah. kinds of stuff. And the, because it was such a big company, we had to go and present it to the shareholders in the city. Um, so our managing director and marketing directors and all went to this big, big presentation of this brand identity. And um, one of the smart Alec city boys sort of put his hand up and said, um, no, I don't know if this I'll tell you what, I'm going to just give me a, bear with me a second. No, you're all right, you're right. For anyone listening, Stu's writing again. <laughs> <laughs> it's just uh doing a little bit of on this is design happening before our very eyes like so alive. he put his hand up and said when you look at that logo and it was obviously not that logo but that, that, yeah. that was the, the letters on the logo he said if you look at it in uh reverse i.e in uh, a rear view mirror of a car, no. you get orgies <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i love it Orgies. <laughs> the fist was just like, boom, you know, oh, this no. corporate. There was the guys from um, Slow Estates International. There was our team. Uh, the oh my god! It was like uh, I remember Sheila came back to Appetite, and she was just white. So she. Oh my god! How the thing uh, is, like, you, you can only prepare for so much, but like, you know, but that's right. In the in the reflection of your of your wing mirror in the as the van goes by it says orgies nobody spotted it um so what we ended up doing just as a quick fix was take out the eye so yeah it became s-e-g-r-o seagrow and that's yeah. what it is today so it's still yeah. still that's, <laughs> that's a story of what but to what, be fair though to be fair that's the time to catch that you know that's the time when yeah. you're just like that's the last minute to catch you haven't it. gone to print on what, anything no i was yeah. going to say what you don't want is it driving past you while you're on the motorway <laughs> And it's like, that yeah. says orgies on the back of that van. And it's oh, something God. I do now as well. I work, when I'm working um, with other designers, when I, I used to be uh, a lot, you know, working at Appetite, we're working, when I used to work with designers, yeah. I'd, I'd say, you know, stand back, squint, turn it upside down. Yeah, inside, yeah. Just see if you can see something. I, I still do it now when I'm doing like uh, photography. So if I'm art directing a photo shoot, I do a lot of food photography, uh, photo yeah. shoot. So I'm doing the art direction. So if you're looking at this mess of, I don't know, Tagliatelle or something in this mm. plate, it's like, stand back, look at it. See if there's anything glaringly obvious in there that looks yeah. like a pair of boobs or something. I was going to say, like, no one wants to... Like, you just like, don't... You don't want cock and balls in your sausage and mash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cock and balls. You do not want the cock and no. balls in sausage and mash. 
actually that's tough it's funny because um your what your business partner um uh, ian wilkinson he Ooh. took me on my first photo shoot when i was on a placement and it was i think it was sausage and meatballs and that was something that he was facing <laughs> but that was when it was like a proper studio cat lights camera action you know they'd they'd, they'd snap the um the polaroid it, it'd go off by courier to be processed and come back again and you know but that that was something like, even then i remember him saying to me about that of saying like you know you never know what looks good through the camera you look at it on screen or in situ you know yeah. it, you've got to be careful where the where the type sits and what kind of you know what other just message you could be sending stand back and look at it and just see if there's anything glaringly obvious yeah it somebody else might see it the orgies so, one is a, is an easy one to uh, miss though it's yeah it was quite a good uh... <laughs> but in a way in a way i'll tell you this now Stu. if i'd have spot say we were working on that job and i'd have spotted that halfway through I wouldn't have said anything. <laughs> I'd have been like, yeah, yeah, yeah. See you go. Yeah. That's and everyone would have been like, yeah, yeah. And I'd, I'd be in that final meeting where everyone's signing it off and I'd be like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mention anything about that. Yeah, yeah. But maybe after four or five years, I'd say to you, oh, Stu, you know what that says backwards. Don't you? <laughs> I like so stuff that was, like uh, that. That but... was a story. What was the uh, piece of work? <laughs> So, yeah, well. so that was it. So yeah, that's that's a good one. I say it didn't go well. It's it's that's an easy uh that's a good one because um you don't always do that, you know, especially when you're working at speed and you've got all this time pressure and you're like, I've got to deliver this and you've got oh, deadlines. We've been, for weeks. we've been developing this like this logo in every yeah. different space and we put it on walls, boards, it was everywhere. Yeah. Last of the walls with stuff. Yeah. Nobody spotted it. It was yeah, only sure. this smart, they just sat there and went, mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> But like I said, better, better. To, but again, that's that's the other thing, which is like, all right. So maybe it's not the speed of the pressure. Maybe it's because you had too much time, and you suddenly get you can't see the wood for the trees. Well, there is, you know. there is an element to that, I suppose. But yeah, you got to look at it with fresh eyes, squint, yeah. Yeah. turn yeah. upside down. You know, all these, all these things. So um, okay, so, so question, question seven is yeah. Let's talk about a piece of work that you're proud of. Uh, it could be more than one. If the if the if that guy hadn't spot the orgies one, that was definitely the winner. By the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, my career, my portfolio was such in terms of all the stuff I've worked on. It was nothing. Nothing's like massively like wow. You know, I mean, you know, my man Blam, he designed the train spotting poster. I mean, what's a piece sure. of work you're most proud of? Yeah, uh, it's I a good one. Yeah. But then I guess it's how, but it's it's how you kind of. Uh, it's like the cream logo, um, it's, you know, but it's what kind of. Miracle logo, you know. I mean, I, what did I do? I did some Cadbury's timeout packaging. Yeah, I but did. I think that that's because the exposure of those things probably makes yeah, them. Absolutely. You know, uh, you kind of think that. But I think like you know, some of my favourite bits of work uh, that I've done are brief, uh, are like uh, routes that didn't even get picked. You know, that sort of logos. I do. Oh, you do something. Yeah, you yeah. do a logo and you think that is that's the bollocks that one. that's the like, one and then they yeah, do something else you yeah. know um so there's 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 a bit of that but um, um i've worked on some great stuff over years one of the projects i worked on at gray matter which was fantastic to work on was um the london rubber company was the client and the brand was durex condoms oh okay uh, cool it was, it was such a brilliant experience from start to finish i mean it's yeah. We did research, we had uh, focus groups. We even had focus groups with um, a group of prostitutes. We actually got yeah. prostitutes 
three or four, and they did a focus group talking about the use of condoms. Um, what type, because at the time, Durex condoms had like, I think it was 13 different products. So you go into Boots and there's 13 yeah. products. You know, the ones that are in the vending machines in the men's toilets, different way, yeah. one with the Ferrari on it and the, or the speedboat. But they all look the same, more or less, but at that point. Our job at Grey Matter was to consolidate the brands. Right. We brought it down to, I think, six, six products in the end. But that was a huge project in terms of the research into, into um, well, the condom world, I suppose. You know, yeah. talking to everybody from married couples, um, uh, kind of um, gay sex and all, every different usage you could have, rough sex used to call it. Yeah. We weren't allowed to, no, we weren't allowed, seriously. Um, uh, Sean, the creative director, guy I mentioned yeah. earlier, um, was gay, but he never really, um, well, you wouldn't have really known, actually, having just met him and stuff. Mm. But um, the company, the client, um, refused to acknowledge um, that the Durex Ultra Strong brand was predominantly used for anal sex. Yeah. And that's it, such a massive mistake. Well, <laughs> I mean, how long did it take for them to realize that actually? But we were just, I mean, sure, I remember being very pissed off with the clients about it, the way yeah. their attitude towards it. It was sure. just a complete denial about who uses that particular product. Uh, and they used to call it rough sex. Hmm. <laughs> So, but, but which actually, to me, feel, sounds much worse. <laughs> it was a great project to work on, and they chose my type. So we standardised everything. So we standardised yeah. colours, we standardised type. I remember, I think the font was um, uh, Rotis at the time, mm. and, we used and then we had to do the second half of that was the imagery for yeah. it. I remember uh, Jason Butler uh, mentioned he went on a photo shoot for the Featherlight. Um, brand yeah and it was basically we we chosen models a male and a female model uh to perform sex all day and this photographer just shot them yeah sort of simulating sex all day and then we had to look through all the transparencies <laughs> and uh and pick out the best shot that was then used on the pack yeah yeah uh, well the biggest regret was I didn't get asked to go on my yard on my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, <laughs> firstly, they didn't they didn't ask you to model. That's a mistake. No, no, Secondly, yeah, that. But that that I've I've had experience of that in the past as well, where you're sort of, you know, you've got a brief, you're taking it, you know, you're working all this stuff, you're doing all this design work. It gets to a certain point where you've like you've done this thing, and you know, there's a we need to do a photo shoot in Barcelona, and you're like, oh, this is going to be amazing. And then they're like. Mm, but maybe not you. <laughs> You're just inexperienced, I, uh, or it doesn't. I had a, a, a great one. Um, again, a, a, a huge disappointment. We'd worked on Havana Club Rum uh, again for Grey Matter. We designed the bottle because Grey Matter was product design, so we designed the bottle and I did the branding for it. It was fantastic. Yeah. It was all for the um, duty free market. And um, apparently, the story goes that this particular blend of Havana Club Rum um, was named by Fidel Castro himself, uh, where they uh, brought him a sample mm. and he tasted it and he said, exquisito. And that's what they decided to call this particular duty-free brand of Havana Club. Yeah. And, uh, and from that, the idea was to go to Cuba on a photo shoot, because part of the design I'd done 
which was a lot of it to do with the marketing and merchandising around it within the duty free, uh, was very much in kind of like uh, graffiti and you know Che Guevara sprayed on the walls. Yeah, and all okay. That. Yeah. And the idea was I was going to go to um, Cuba, Havana, yeah. and photograph all of this different graffiti. Of art. which there would have been some amazing. Uh, I'm sure there still is a lot of like amazing street art. And it was all on, it was all set up. And apparently we were also going to collect, whilst we were there, we were going to collect a signature of Fidel Castro. And the idea was we'd scan that in and that was going yeah. to be applied to the label yeah. brand marketing. Great, yeah, great job, yeah. yeah. It was all, I mean, literally, I think it was like a week before it was due to fly out there, uh, the client decided to pull it for some reason. We didn't yeah. Do it. We did the job, but we didn't do the shoot. It's heartbreaking, yeah. It's getty images. Yeah, yeah. absolutely gutted. Well, I told you that time when um, uh, in my uh, the job that I moved to after um, Beresford to Owen Dwelley, we, um, we were photographing some shoes for Lacoste. He used to do loads of footwear. And one of the, um, it was like, I can't remember if it was like 40 years. It might have been 40 years of this particular um, Lacoste shoe. Um, they really wanted to throw some money at it and make it really great. And, if, and we got to the point where we'd contacted David Bailey to do the photo shoot. And me and Ben were going to get to go on this photo shoot. And it was going to be like amazing. And like, we'd been in touch with him. And he was like, yeah, it was something like his, a, a day rate for him at the time was something like 180 grand or something like that. And his assistant was 50. It was something ridiculous. You know, it was, it was high. And, um, yeah, and it literally got to the point where we were just about, we were waiting for the phone call to find out if they were going to go for it. And then they just pulled it. And it would have been like the most amazing, you know, just to stand at the back of a room while he literally went, earned the money and off he went, you know. But um, in the end, we just used a photographer we always used. And he just did it in the style of David Bailey. And he cost about 200 quid or something. <laughs> and he did a brilliant job. Uh, and it went on everything. And I was just like that, you know, and whenever I see it now, I think like, what, you know, it was a good project to be involved with, but it could have been this amazing experience. Then it just turned out to not be quite right. But yeah, it's, it's when that happens, it's a bit of a bummer, but um, you know, we're meant to stay inside, Stu. That's what it is. You're meant to be locked down in a, in a dungeon somewhere, just working, not, not being out there in the real world. Well, I know. Yeah. Like, you know, friends of mine, like Phil and Dave, and like, they've traveled all over the world, you know, with, yeah. uh, they were working in the music industry a lot. So, and Phil still does now. He does a lot of, uh, sort of stuff with, uh, big brands and travels. Yeah, and sure. Over, you know, they've just, just done some amazing photo shoots with yeah. Helen von Umworth and, you know, Rankin. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, I haven't, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but that's <laughs> yeah. But I guess that's one of those things where you I did can't... get to go to the Faroe Islands. That was a fantastic photo shoot. Yeah. I did the Faroe Islands for a uh, for an old company shoot, uh, working with a guy called um, Andrew Mo Andrew Molyneux, uh, yeah. um, corporate photographer, fantastic guy. And um, we also Andrew and I did a photo shoot on an oil rig on the North Sea. Yeah. Um, oh, you told me about. Did you have heli you had helicopter training for that? Like, yeah, right? we had yeah. to. We were only allowed to go on the um, on the oil rig for twenty four hours, so the yeah. shoot was over twenty four hours. Yeah. And um, before that, you had to go for three days health and safety um, training. Yeah. The majority of That's us. Cool. Part, you did the usual kind of fire stuff. What happens here? You had to learn all about different types of fires, gas fires. Yeah. And, and you know, to put these gas masks on and walk through smoke filled rooms. And, and we had to test your hearing, your eyes, you know, all this stuff. 
But the majority of it was all about the helicopter crashing in the North Sea. So what happens if on the, um, the event yeah. that helicopter crashes in the North Sea? So they had this um, helicopter simulator over a, a deep pool and you were in it and you're all in your gear full, full, like this kind of helicopter dry suit that you had to wear. And uh, and then they'd crash this helicopter simulator into brace, 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 and yeah. you'd go into turn upside down and sink. And yeah. you had to escape from the seatbelt and swim out. And I absolutely loved it. Oh man. <laughs> as you know. So yeah. it was a great experience, you know, just yeah. to do so did you have tanks on and everything or were you just no, no, like no, you don't, because when you're in a helicopter you, you have to wear this kind of like it's essentially like a, a diver's dry suit so yeah. it's like a baggy suit with rubberized seals mm -hmm. and, it. and you have to wear two layers of clothing underneath because it's incredibly cold in the north sea yeah ultimately you reckon you last about seven minutes before right. oh my gosh yeah we haven't got much chance unless yeah. you can into the lifeboats and one of the things was do the lifeboat training as well so what happens if you swim out, you know, swim out of the crashed helicopter, inflate the lifeboat, climb in and grab grab your colleagues and, and get them into it as well. Yeah. Um, so uh, that was that was a great. Sorry, what was yeah. the question about that? No, no, but we were just talking about things that you that you enjoyed, and we've ended up sort of down the down the line of talking about you know some of the experiences that you've had. No, no, yeah, no, no, yeah, but that, it was it was, and then obviously then we get him into this big helicopter. Um, and then fly out. It was a yeah. two-hour flight across the North Sea to get to oh, the cool. Room. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, uh, spent twenty-four hours on that and, uh, and flew back. Yeah. I, I just loved it. It was, it was great. Well, any job, any job that comes up like that, that there's an opportunity to to get, you know, that you're lucky enough to get filtered down to the very few that get to go on the shoot or get to do something exciting like that. It is, it's a buzz. I mean, that's the side of the the design you know advertising brand industry that you don't really i don't really think about that when i was at college i didn't think oh one day i'll be doing such and such you know i just you just concentrate on the work but it takes you to these interesting places sometimes if you can get be good that's a tip be good at art direction if you're good at yeah. art direction, you get to go on the trips yeah <laughs> no exactly exactly and also you know it's funny how you know some jobs you do for people lead to other jobs that turn into other things and suddenly you find yourself in situations that you could never have orchestrated it just happened that you were doing this design thing and it ended up being you that went on there and because you know, I always think about you know one of my because when I started working in London I didn't think like you know 20 odd years later that one of my clients would be introducing me to Luke Skywalker right because like, i met him at a, a thing a, a client thing that i end up going along to and you know and suddenly like the kid in me was like this is just bananas you know so like i love the way that you kind of you do what you do and then these things just kind of happen around you and you're lucky if you get involved to you get, get a chance to do them you know I mean, um this is a great career jason yeah career. oh yeah it is yeah it's it's, it's i fun. used to always joke about it's about time i got a proper job yeah <laughs> I've had I've had some good times, and I've got yeah. very good friends, uh, including your good self, uh, in, who are all in the industry. Yeah, uh, and a lot of my a lot of my friends are graphic designers or various yeah arts of sort uh, of creators. Yeah, uh, and uh, I just think it's very feel very privileged to uh, yeah you know, 
but it's also because everybody's got a fun story or something they do you know especially when you know creative people that have been doing it for a while they've all got a story about something you know there's always an experience you know i think that's partly why i started doing these little interviews is because while the questions are the same everybody's answers are so different they're so varied and like from all over different story jay (laughs) well mate don't worry i might be I, i might invite you back (laughs) <laughs> but the helicopter diaries over the north sea yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. um so the next um yeah so the next question is uh what which is question eight which is uh what are you doing now and you know what's the next sort of step for you do you think what do you what do you think you're um i've got no i've never had a career plan at all um obviously you just I'm, keep doing what you're doing you know it's since since the close of Appetite three years ago, I set up Packwork Limited, uh, Packworks Limited, I should say, uh, with myself and Ian Wilkinson. Mm. Uh, we've been working, um, I'd say the vast majority is probably 100% for uh, Spa Food Manager. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we've been incredibly lucky uh, to to have that as a, as a client. So that set us up straight away from the minute you know, appetite close to... Yeah, to, well, you work for them. You've had contacts there I for a long time. For 20 years. So yeah. I'll be experience working with them. And they were very good clients. And we have a good relationship. Hopefully long may continue. Yeah. So I do a lot of food packaging. Uh, today I'm working on uh, fruit smoothies. Yeah. Uh, yesterday I was working on uh, mozzarella packaging. Yeah, but that's great, you see, especially in these times when, like, you know, it works scarce and people working from home and adapting and all this, you know, and the coronavirus, etc. The fact that, like, you can continue working from home and your business doesn't really change that much. You're just, it's you not know, changed at all. You know, I've been incredibly fortunate since uh, this uh, whole virus yeah. thing. I, I just literally moved my computer to home, right, to my office, and moved yeah. it home plugged it in and, and, and continue to work. So very yeah. fortunate. I yeah. know people like that I can't, sure. can't work in, in this current situation. And uh, you know, of course with the uh, with the client as well, it's a, a lot of it's in the food is- industries and everybody's still eating food from a supermarket. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, still a, there's still a need. So the briefs are still coming in. So incredibly lucky to do that. Uh, I'm also working because I've got this Sergeant Design Limited, which is another kind of side. Well, it's not a side question; it's just a separate thing. Is that I do, you know, as you know, brand identity and, and stuff. And I just like I do, again, I just like doing um, stuff for friends or for people. I think you know could do a little bit of a help and push. Like with some girl who I met uh, in the office uh, who wanted to do food nutrition, so I designed her an identity. Yeah. I've um, uh, got friends who have just set up a, um, well, they, they have a set up for a uh, security firm and uh, security training. Uh, they're good friends of mine. So I just said, look, I can do your branding. So yeah. doing that, you know. But that, that's good because that opens up opportunities. You know, uh, it, so working on that. So, and then I've got a, um, a conference call tomorrow with New York and Sydney. So very international, yeah. Belgium, I believe. Yeah, uh, or uh, brand identity again. Yeah. Something I picked up quite recently um, for a kind of sustainability uh, company. So I'll be working yeah. on that. Also, I think over the next few weeks I'm going to be very busy. Yeah, um, that's good. That's good because you know it is. Um, it is. You know, there's not that much new business out there, but you know, because people are just in this sort of holding pattern and they're they're not kind of. Um, you know, they don't know what's going to happen in the next coming, you know, coming months. And that's so obviously everyone's very reticent. 
Uh, you know. I, I mean, I've been fortunate enough not really had any need to find new business. Yeah. But also, as a, as a smaller company, your overheads are so low. You know, you're not paying out for a big office. I know you do have a studio, but like, you know, you're not paying out for a big office full of people that you're having to furlough or pay their salaries and, you know, all that stuff. I mean, like it, you know, and I don't know if, I don't know if our, our jobs existed 20 years ago. Do you know what I mean? Because we're, if we're from a, a, a time where you're in a studio with people. You could have done this 20 years ago. You couldn't just have one computer yeah. and Wi-Fi and a software. And do it all. Copy yeah. And do the whole thing. Yeah, sure, sure. So maybe maybe that's why, you know, you were saying about, um, you know, when you're when you're at school and you wanted to go to bigger design companies and you had all these, there were all those big pentagram and, you know, all those companies that, that you really held in high esteem. And, you know, a lot of them still around, but they're kind of like the old guard, if you like. Now, I think there's less sort of funky oh, little... Names, so I wouldn't even know what... True, yeah. there is that. But also, I think there's more people like you and I that run their smaller businesses from home. And if they do oh. employ people, all those people work from home too. So it's not like, um, you know, I don't know if those larger, you know, I don't know if those larger companies are, are, are kind of, grow, uh, you know, are sort of starting up every day. It's much more, you know, smaller... Um, smaller businesses or freelancers that, that tend to go it themselves. So I can remember finishing college and thinking, Oh, one day I'll go freelance, but that must be like 10 years away. It didn't even occur to me that like you could just leave college and do it straight away, which people do now, you know, they go straight into it. You know, um, I felt like I needed to cut my teeth working before I, before I was tried that part of it. But now people leave college and they set, you know, they set up their own businesses with people they've met at college and they do really well, you know, um, so, yeah, uh, I mean, the, the industry has changed an awful lot. I mean, I mentioned when I, I mean, we, we don't have any, there's no more heroes anymore to quote the stranglers. Oh. Uh, we used to have, I mean, I think I even uh, lectured you when I first met you. It's like, Probably. You, know, <laughs> you didn't know who Peter Savile was. And I was like, He's one of the goons. <laughs> I mean, these are just. That's a Peter Sellers be, joke for anyone that's. Sorry, I meant this. Uh, we um, we uh, we had dinner next to him once when I was when I was a young designer setting up, you know, with Neville Brody. Yeah, uh, Vaughan Oliver. Um, yeah. yeah, Vaughan Oliver. I wasn't massive fan of Vaughan Oliver's work, but I can, I can certainly appreciate it. Yeah. And then you know you learn you learn about some of the real gurus like Alan Fletcher and Paul mm. Rand. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, but I think though, those those designers you know, will always be there. They're the great. You find that find out a few years later, but I had, you know, I had some my initial heroes. I think were, were probably some like, I think influenced through Neville Brody. Yeah. Certainly 15, 16 years old. Well, I always um, liked um, David Carson. You like David Carson. Carson yeah. So, you know, we always used to have heroes and I just don't know anymore if there are any of those design heroes out there. Really. Maybe it's you, Stu. Maybe if you don't uh, know, it's not. maybe it's you. Uh, you know, I know there's some excellent designers out there, but are there anybody really who people follow and hold? Yeah, it's different now, isn't it? Peter Savile used to create an album sleeve, you know. Yeah. But actually, just saying about Peter Savile, I remember, um, you know, this is going back, but we were having dinner. I think we were having dinner with Bruce in the Groucho Club Groucho back in the Club, day. Yeah, and he yeah, was he next to us having a salad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, and some... 
very good, nice looking girls, I remember. That, that was a good time because uh, we used to do quite a few things at the Grouch Club, didn't we? Because um, you know, um, the creative director was a member there and we'd hire, hire rooms and stuff. And those, those events were great because I've always been like a massive star struck you know, anyone even remotely famous. I remember the first time I came to London, I saw a guy who was in half weed the same pet in, a, in an arcade store. And I was like, I've got to tell my dad, you know. It was like, <laughs> but like when we used to go to the Groucho, we used to see all sorts of people. Like I'd, I'd be constantly telling me that. Like Letitia Dean we saw once, which I was just like, it's Letitia Dean, you know, EastEnders and all that. But you bump into Kelly from the Stereophonics. In, in the week. toilet. Yeah, he was yeah. just stood next to me, yeah. And then three days later, I was at Glastonbury and he was playing on stage to about yeah. 80,000 people. It was unbelievable. But that, the first time we ever went to the Groucho Club, I took a, because it's easy to get lost in there. There's so many little rooms and things. Like that. I took a wrong turn in one of the rooms um, and just walked into this room that was basically empty. And there were three chairs and it was um, Damien Hurst, Keith Allen, and, um, oh God, who's the guy from Pulp? Um, Joe, Joe, um... Jarvis Cocker. And they were just sat having a beer and a chat. And I just walked in and went, oh, sorry. And they were like, you're all right. And then I went out and I was like, this is so cool. <laughs> I love all that stuff. I love it. You know, any stuff. But you used to see more than I did. You, oh, you'd always cool. see them on Oxford Street, you know, like Jordan. Yeah. I remember there was a spot yeah. once and, you know, all those guys. But um, anyway, that's digressing slightly. But yeah, no, it was uh, it was definitely a little hot spot where we were in, in um, you mm. know, at that time, definitely. Um, so then, uh, so question nine, we're, we're fast approaching the end now. We're doing good for time as well. We're, we're not going to hit the two hour, 50, but hour and a half. Yeah, that's kind of the, the time I want to keep it to. So it's not too, too long, but we're doing good. We're doing good. Um, so yeah, do you, I know you started saying it before, but um, do you have any advice for anyone starting out in the industry and maybe something you would have liked to have known before you started? I'd have liked to have known that Max were just about to launch and be a, a major. <laughs> I, would, I would have gone into that computer room at the college. <laughs> I, mean, I had no clue at all. Yeah. Designing, uh, I designed an Abbey National annual report on a Mac Classic. Yeah. It was like a 30,000 print run. It was a massive print run. Oh, my God. Uh, and I designed it on a Mac Classic using Quark Express or PageMaker, probably, actually. Yeah. So, That's an achievement in itself, Stu, because like if you yeah, see no, those I, now, it's like, yeah. oh my god, this, the screens are so small and like they're all beige and yeah. Uh, uh advice for people, I don't know, be passionate about it. Do 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 it because you enjoy it. Find your there's so many different ways of graphic, it's not just graphic design and branding in, in, in all aspects of it. Um, you know, um do do it because you enjoy it. But also, I think my, my best advice for, for people is, I think we touched on it earlier, was about answer the bloody brief. If the client asks for something, yeah. okay, yes, advise them and say, well, I think you'd be better off if you did it like this, but try and answer the brief. You know, don't just design it because you want another designer mate of yours or the Instagram account to, you know, get yeah. somebody like Is yeah. uh, answer the bloody brief. Yeah. Well, uh, but be be passionate about what you do uh, and enjoy it. Um, it's a, it's a great career. Um, you're never going to get massively rich off it. And uh, uh, but a steady a, job. You don't have to have a real job, like you said. So you know. So you know. It was uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Good advice is Good. work hard. Work it, hard. Know, yeah. I would be, it does take the hours as well. You know, don't expect it all just to fall. Practice, practice, practice is another good bit of advice. Uh, I've been working with a young lad uh, recently, Luke. Uh, he's you know fairly fresh out of college, and I just keep telling him just tr- play it. You know, play, try, yeah. practice. Adobe, yeah. InDesign, Illustrator, Photoshop, whatever it yeah. is, just just set yourself little briefs um, and, and practice because it's just you know it's that um, Malcolm Gladwell book, you know, Outliers and stuff. Or what's, what's the one? It's about the uh, putting in the ten thousand hours. Yes, yeah. The Beatles didn't become the Beatles. Yeah. They practice, yeah. They used to play in that Hamburg nightclub every single night, hours and hours and hours and hours before mm. they became famous. Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, and, you know, I became pretty proficient at what I do in terms of my skills in the, you know, mainly Adobe. Yeah. Uh, through, through, through time. Yeah, and that's it. And also, uh, being and not being afraid to kind of fail at things as well, because like you said, like to sort of practice things, you know, and put put ideas forward. Like you said, you know, when we were talking about like the competitive nature of putting stuff up, it's okay to take risks. You know, it's a good time to sort of make mistakes, and uh, you know, and and like you said, you know, the more you practice, the better you get at knowing, getting a feel for what's right for a brief and what isn't. You know. Um, and, uh, you know, cause, cause I think that's something they don't really teach you in college is that it's okay to kind of, you keep doing this stuff, but you're not going to get it right every time, but you've got to keep doing it because that's how you learn. You know, you do a good brief and then you do, you know, you do a bad brief and then you get it right and you'll get it wrong. And, you know, eventually you end up with a, a sort of, uh, you know, an idea of, you know, someone puts a brief in front of you today compared to you 20 years ago, you're off running, but like 20 years ago, you're like, you're going to the library, you know. <laughs> so it's a different sort of uh, approach that you can only get through experience. I think. Just reminded me of an, um, another bit of advice for anybody: spell check. <laughs> <laughs> well, sure. listen, listen. It's time to it's it's time to tell the listeners now about our long our long running joke of about twenty years, where I constant because your last name is Sergeant, which is obviously S E R J E N T. And when I first met you, you always said, you know, people would send me their CVs and if they spell my name wrong, it's on, the, on, the, on the letter, straight in the bin. Because, the, because they didn't step, do your research. They didn't do, do your research. Do your research. they spell Stuart wrong or Sergeant wrong or anything. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. I get it as well. Like measures is a classic for spelling. spelling so. should be 100% spot on. Yeah. So... To carry on my twenty-year joke, I <laughs> whenever I send you anything, I always spell your name wrong on everything. <laughs> you, do, you do, and it makes me smile. Every I time. know, I know, I, and just and you know that, like, whenever I'm posting you anything, just before I hand it over to the the, the teller at the post, but I look at it and I have a little chuckle to myself because <laughs> I know the next person who's going to read this is going to do the same. You know, <laughs> it makes me laugh every time, Stu. And, and then it comes a time where I I, I think maybe maybe it's gone on now maybe it's gone on for long enough maybe it's time to stop and then i think nah (laughs) never stop (laughs) listen all you need to know is that you know when the fateful day comes that someone needs to design your headstone (laughs) (laughs) who's got two thumbs and spell check this guy (laughs) you'll be there mate i tell you if i get that you know you know i'm doing that and vice versa i expect the same 
just a Z on the end of measures. I'm good. <laughs> oh, uh, your last question is so The last question was from Nick, uh, um, uh, who I interviewed last, uh, last episode, and he's a photographer. Yep. So um, he asked me this question, but it was for you. Um, and it is, what is it that photographers do that annoys you the most? <laughs> Depends what photographer. Well, I guess I guess for for us, it's like if you're on a shoot, if you're on a shoot, photographer. Yeah. Then what annoys me about it most is he's got a better job than I have. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> in all honesty, I did see his question. I've seen his question. And I have time to think about it. I've yeah. had fantastic experiences with all the photographers I can remember. I was very rarely have I ever had an issue working with a photographer. I yeah. like them. I like working with them, whether it's food photography or I've done a bit of fashion and various things. Uh, a lot of corporate walking around, you know, like say Faroe Islands or oil rigs or going around a university or, a, um, you know, a, an in industrial kind of um, factory. Yeah. I don't know. I've had, I've had great experiences with uh, with some really nice nice people. I like photographers. I really don't. They don't annoy me in that mm. sense. I go, I go to this fantastic food photographer Tony Briscoe at the moment, and uh, what was great about it is we always order in uh, fantastic lunches. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and they always let me choose. You know, the room. They order his food, and he's brilliant. I'm like, Normally, I'm having some of the most boring lunches. Uh, yeah. But, uh, when you uh, get the invoice from them, are you like, oh, what's this? Eight? <laughs> Sorry. But, uh, but no, I, I really struggled for Nick's question in terms of what annoys me most about photographers because I've always had a good relationship with them. I hope you like me. I'm very relaxed when it comes to the shoes. You know, yeah. I, like to, I like to art direct, um, but I like to let them use their own eye and... Uh, and you know they're doing what they do best and and, uh, and I trust them so I really fail to get a, an answer on what annoys me most about them apart from the fact that some of them do fantastic work which I wish I was jealous yeah that's a good enough answer foundation course I would have been a photographer yeah no that, I, I agree because equipment the best cameras in here yeah. like, what is that where was that never heard of that brand before oh it's a I can't remember the name now. They use this camera it's from Sweden or something. Uh, it's just a fantastic piece of kit. Yeah. Um, and uh, they always have been, you know, back to where I used to photograph with 10.8 and stuff. Back yeah. of a camera. Um, I don't know. I've had, I've had really good relationships with many photographers. So, yeah. so they, they do have a good job. That is something to be annoyed. They, do, you know, the, like the ones that the ones that that uh, you know that live and breathe it. They do, uh, you know, they travel the world. They get to go to some amazing places. Um, you know, uh, and also they do their own little side projects and things like that, which is just, which when you hear about it, it sounds a bit wanky, but then you're like, oh, I'm so jealous. Like a friend of mine um, who, you know, um, uh, Graham Hughes, uh, he's a really good photographer, Great photographer. Um, and now film director. He's sort of in, in, in the up and coming. 
Um, he, yeah, every now and again, he'll just be off for a, a month or two doing some projects in America, self-initiated project where he, he went and filmed, uh, shot a whole load of um, cowboys roping buffalo and all this stuff. And some of the photographs, are un- I mean, he's brilliant anyway, but some of the, the, in, you know, the situations that he finds himself in and, you know, these kind of situations that he creates as well, because he get, you know, get, he does what all good photographers do, which is they get to know everyone before they pick their camera up, you know, they get the stories before they start start shooting anything and you know he's done some really good work so yeah there's definitely a bit of jealousy there because he's just you know he gets to travel around the world and he does like photo shoots for coca-cola and all this stuff you know and you know does a job and then has six months off fortunate to travel to places like canada north america yeah you know spending days and days with these guys and uh no no problem with him (laughs) no jealousy don't annoy me (laughs) so that's <laughs> unless he's obviously one of these people who annoys <laughs> no uh, no nick's um he's a really he's a great photographer and um but i think he's very conscious of what other people how other people perceive you know um the photographers and he's, he's constantly upping his game so you know he's just doing his market research i think but uh you know is uh, I, I think the thing i i said to him was that the only thing that ever uh, I, I the same as you i don't have any problem with anyone that i've ever worked with but sometimes if photographers don't put themselves out there when you're doing something if they have an idea about something they might have answered the brief but there might be something else there might be something they could do to, to push you know and i've worked with photographers where they'll will be doing something and they'll be trying to achieve something and then they'll say how about this and we do that and it's brilliant and it ends up you know feeding into stuff and sometimes i feel that some photographers i've worked with in the past they've had the opportunity to do that but they've held back and maybe it's through lack of experience or not wanting to upset anyone but i always i'm all i'd rather it was all out there in this digital age there's no excuse no no exactly exactly uh, if you see something, just take a picture of it. You know? Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I know it sure. used to be back when, when film was expensive. I, I kind of get it. You know, you get yeah. five shots and, you know, you've got to pay for the processing and all yeah. that. It's just digital. And, but even yeah. even on that shoot with Ian that I mentioned before, like, we'd, we'd there'd be a shot of, like, the sausages and it would go off to the courier and then there'd be, like, two hours waiting for it to come back because you didn't want to change the setup. It was all congealed at that point. <laughs> <laughs> The sun's moved and melted the chocolate yeah. cake, <laughs> you know. But uh, you know, it, it has definitely changed now, and you know, but that's that's a, that can can't. That's uh, a good thing, I think. It makes our life a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so then I guess the last sort of question to that is: is your question for the next sorry soul that comes on here? Uh, to uh, yeah, see if you've got anything that you you think that you might. Well, no, I just, uh, the question is like the only other question you'll see. Obviously, is Nick's question to me: What is very yeah. that photographers do that annoys you most? It's a simple, yeah. succinct question. Yeah. So I just thought, well, what could I ask? You know, it doesn't sound too you know wanky. Uh, and I thought, well, is there anything out there? If you're a graphic designer, for example, or even if you're a photographer, or if you're a designer, is there anything out there that you wish? You had designed. Ooh, I'll give you an example. Man. I mean, something um, you know, I, I've probably bored you with as well. But I've not. I've, 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 Sorry, mate, you're breaking up. Times <laughs> 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 is you know one of the logos I I most admired is is FedEx. Yeah, that's good. That's but always it, a good one. It's just that idea. Yeah, like, yeah. Paul Rand and I've pulled it. That's up there. That's in the top five, I think. Simple, beautiful, 
idea and those who don't understand what i'm talking about is please have a look at the fedex logo again yeah. stir it long and hard until you see the idea yeah within that logo. there's a reason that hasn't changed for like 40 years and other people cannot see it yeah um, yeah something like that i go i wish i'd designed that yeah I, yeah that's a good one that is a good one and yeah and you're but yeah that's the reason why that hasn't changed for what like 50 years or something or however long it's been you know, it's why like, would you you know imagine i was going to say imagine being the next guy that they're like hey we want to change the logo and you're the guy that's got to come up with something better than that you're like just just down tools it's not happening you know that's a good I've one enough, funny enough just at the end I, i've just recently designed a logo and i put it on instagram the other day and some smart aleck guy I used to work with says oh it looks like the british the old british steel logo yeah it does i suppose it does yeah Two well, people. That was discontinued in 1999. Give yeah. me a break. And also, it is, if, the thing is, if you're moving shapes it is, around. It's a nice logo. I mean, it's got a similarity. Yes, it has. You know, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't think of it at the time. And that's the other thing about looking and remembering and turning yeah. upside down and remember, you know, remember. Yeah. See, <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's all been done before. Yeah. And, and that, that, yeah, but it's, it's also about now it's about how that's applied. And also it is possible for two people to have had the same idea. It's not like you saw it and you're ripping it off. It's like, I can remember we did something for angling water when we were at appetite and uh, we did the identity for that. And uh, yeah, and that, that went out on everything. And of course you start looking at some of the old um, uh, logo references from like the seventies oh, and stuff yeah, and time and again, you know, I can draw it for you now. Yeah, exactly. uh, it's the circle and the square, it isn't it? It's a simple uh, logo. It was just a droplet, as you said, made up of a circle and a square. Yeah. It was just that. that yeah, symbol. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and of course, it's just, I mean, if you put, you know, a shape like that in or a mm. globe or a tree or of whatever. Of course it's been done before. Somebody somewhere has already done it. Exactly. But what they haven't done is applied it how that was then applied to that business and how that applied to their literature and how that then applied to and it took yeah, that yeah. that mark and it turned it into something else. You know, I'm just so. gonna find the old British Steel brand identity guidelines and rip that off totally. So <laughs> <laughs> why not? Oh, what I'd really like now is for the camera to sort of slowly pan round and you've got loads of them stacked up. <laughs> Your mood board corner is all just British steel logos. You're like, oh, 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 hang on, hang on a minute. Oh. Into my ideas back. <laughs> <laughs> We've all got one of those. <laughs> so listen, mate. Um, thanks so much for. I think that's it. Uh, thanks so much for coming on to the uh, the podcast, mate. I tell you what, I'm I'm really pleased at the moment because. Um, I've got 131 subscribers on YouTube. And that's like, that's big for me because for ages I had seven. <laughs> and then subscriber number two. You were, yeah, well, you know, after just after John, the best man at my wedding. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so for, for a while it was sort of hanging at about 30 and then it went to like 50 and now it's gone up to like 130. So I think, um, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, this podcast will go out and get a few more. So um, yeah, I really appreciate you coming on and, and supporting it and all that Pleasure stuff. Jake, and there you have it. Thanks for listening. If you would like to take part in any podcast in the future or have any questions that you would like me to ask, then please hit me up on Twitter. My handle is j at love deadline. You can find all of the usual links and contact details in the description below. So like, subscribe, and then feel embarrassed that you did. So all that's left to say, as always, is be good.
Stay safe. Be kind to one another.